excited to be back. I've been missing for a couple weeks, so I can't you wait to see what you have. have. Yeah. I'm glad I put that APB out there for you because we yeah. needed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, we damn can't it. keep track of you. <clears throat> yeah. Gosh, shit, damn hell. You brought me back in the snow. So, okay. Right. Where are we going today? Yeah. Welcome back, Shelly. It's good to have you back. Uh-huh. We also have a very special guest and a crazy, crazy case. You've got to hear this. You will not believe this. Working in the system, even I, there were things that I was like, ugh, this is disheartening, frustrating, but I, everyone should know how our system really works, which is why I did the episode. So we also have a very special guest, one of my dear, dear friends. This is a woman that I can play full out in pickleball against her, mostly because she kicks my butt most of the time. But she's awesome, super competitive, very strong woman, very classy and beautiful and very, very kind. She's the kind of person that I can text and say, hey, you want to go on an adventure this afternoon that will say yes without hearing what it is? It's awesome. (laughs) She is super, super cool, way, way fun. And I do believe it was fate that we met. So let me Love introduce it. everyone to one of the coolest people I know. This is my dear friend, Kathleen. Hi, Kathleen. Hello, Shelly. And hello, Hi. Pamela. I hope I can live up to that big introduction. <laughs> Shelly, for all the oh, totally out there who have heard you and not met you, I want people to know that I have had the pleasure of meeting you in person. Oh, thank at you. Pamela's gigs where we got yes. to listen to her jam on her saxophone yes. and sing with a beautiful voice. Yes, and it's fun to see you again. I'm excited to have you here. You two know this story, so I'm anxious to hear it. So I met Kathleen, what, two years ago, Kathleen, in the summer? Yes. Kathleen looks similar to me. Mm -hmm. Long blonde hair, very athletic, and she is like a total badass on the pickleball court. So I noticed her, and super, like, beautiful, like, really awesome person. Yes. So we started playing. I would ask you questions, Kathleen. I guess it's my PI nature because I'm like, did you just move here? Are you just visiting here? What's the story? And her story never quite made sense to me. And I tell people all the time, right? When as you listen to the podcast, if you're a longtime listener, I tell you like, truth is like water. It just flows, right? Uh And if something doesn't fit, it's like there's a piece here and a piece here. And Kathleen's story felt to me like there's a piece here and a piece here and I couldn't figure it out because she seemed like she had so much integrity and I was right she does have so much integrity and I was only hearing pieces of the story because I was like okay so you're from Minnesota but you're living here why like what are you doing here and she's like oh like I'm here for my son and her son was here for college at the U so I'm like okay you're helping him for a week, but she was here for a long time. Like peace. I'm like, something's wrong. Something that I don't understand. All and the then pieces got, of the puzzle weren't, at, weren't yeah, coming I was, out. I was just getting pieces and how, here. How did you expect that to happen on a pickleball court? You slam, slam. And then you're like, oh, pause. So how is your son? What brings you to Utah? Slam, slam. Like, come on, girl. On the pickleball court, you don't talk about personal things. You just yeah, play exactly. pickleball and smile. For both Kathleen and I, it is our happy place. Mm-hmm. And competitive like, place. Yes. And then I started thinking, maybe she's having marriage problems. And so, and she just doesn't want to say that. Like, I just had all, like, all <laughs> these, I had no idea what was Oh, you happening. did go down the rabbit hole. Meanwhile, yeah. while you're having those thoughts, I'm going home every day after pickleball and telling my son, okay, I think I maybe met somebody who could be a friend for me because I need a friend here in Utah. Oh, I met this person who seems really fun and maybe I'll have somebody to go play with and do things with. And then absolutely a week later I came home and I said to my son, I said, she asked if I could be Facebook friends today. (laughs) 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 This just just warms my middle school admin heart. I know. I was, awesome. I was an old woman and I didn't, I had forgotten what it was like to actually try to make a friend, but I was in yeah. a new city in a situation yeah, where I was trying sure. to Little did I know that uh, there was a higher power putting the two of us together for a reason. I have no doubt about that. So of course, as we're talking, Kathleen's like, what do you do for a living? I'm a private investigator. 
I do criminal defense work and no reaction at all. Man, if you play poker with someone, not against someone, Kathleen would be your gal. But oh my gosh, poker face. She's not giving away any clues at all. I think it took another a month. I bet it was a month before you're like, hey, I think maybe we should go to lunch and talk and I can tell you what's going on. So I'm like, okay, cool. Finally, I'm going to get the pieces. And then I heard the story. Here's honestly people like, please, you got to hear this. This is crazy stuff. So you said you had a couple reasons yeah. why you wanted the story. So what are your reasons, Kathleen? There's two reasons. One, and the most important is that my son does not feel that his voice has been heard. Okay. That's mostly That's because huge. his voice was not heard. Yes. Okay. He um, does not want to be interviewed for this, but was really supportive of me telling our story. Okay. So you'll hear more of the perspective of a parent mm -hmm. because I can't completely speak sure. for him, but I still think it's a good story to tell. And the second reason I wanted to do it is that when this journey began for us and I was a parent looking for information, I could not find anything. Oh, so you felt like you were like all alone on an island. I didn't have the resources. You know, my son was going to school in a state where I didn't know anybody. He oh, didn't wow. know anybody. We didn't have connections there. And all of this was going on and, and I was using the internet and trying to connect and couldn't find anybody to connect with. So I hope that people will hear this. And if they are a parent going through something like this and need to connect, that they will reach out to Pamela to get my contact information Perfect. and that I can be a yeah. resource. For them. And you know, it doesn't matter what trial you're going through. It's nice to have a support system, whether they can oh, actually yeah. take yes. steps forward or whether you just need a sounding board. So I'm sorry that so mostly I'm going to be telling Shelly the story yes. because Pam already knows the yes. story. But Shelly, okay. as you know, I'm from Minnesota and my son chose to go to the University of Utah for college. He was accepted into the Business Scholars Program. It's an entrepreneurial yeah. program in the business That's school. That's awesome. And he was looking at schools that have mountains because he is an avid downhill skier and racer. Oh, okay. So it is not lost on him that there are seven ski hills within 30 minutes of the okay. campus. Well, don't well, tell people that because right. more people will move to Utah, but yeah. That's, <laughs> that's awesome though. He did not know any other students at all. I wasn't overly concerned about that because my son is incredibly social, makes friends very, very quickly. He's the kind of kid that just always has friends around him, boys and girls, doesn't so much care about what the activity is that we're doing as long as he's with his group of cool. peers. Okay. So he left for school in late August of 2021. Okay. And about two months later in October, actually it was October 29th, I will not forget, of 2021, at about 11 o'clock at night, so of course I was in bed, I get the phone call that no parent wants and you can tell from the word mom that something is yeah. wrong. And he says, I've been accused of rape. What? I have been accused of rape. Wow. And of course my stomach sinks. My husband is next to me. We sit up, take the call. What is going on? And he said, the police came to pick me up from the dorm today. They took me to the police station. They asked me questions about an evening that I had with yeah. a girl. It was completely consensual, mom. And at the end, they dropped me off at a hotel and told me I couldn't go back to the dorm. Like, wait, wait, you're at a hotel right now? Yes, the police dropped me off at a hotel and told me that I cannot tell anybody what's going on if I tell anybody that I will be in jail instead of at a hotel. Okay. And Is that I normal, Pam? Okay. Hey. I've never heard of this ever. Okay. This okay. was new for me, but I've only been doing this for 30 years. So, okay. <laughs> so I told him we'll be on the next plane, which of course is going to be first thing in the morning. We fly out there, go to the hotel where he is. And what's going through my mind, to be honest with you, as, as a mother is, oh boy, you know what? This is a boy who had one relationship for over three years in high okay. school. That relationship ended when he went off to college and has a lot more experience than a lot of the other young ladies he's going to be meeting okay. now. And we can discuss that, right? You are going to be meeting a lot of 18-year-olds that don't have that kind of 
sexual history uh -huh. or experience that and you relationship and you history. need to be like he was in a relationship really? yeah okay yes i think i said to my husband in this day and age how does the boy ever win yeah and i didn't even know the details and i just said how right it's the me too yeah. movement so we get to his hotel and i start asking him questions and he has a file that he was given by the police and it has a few different documents in it. Uh, well, first of all, we're trying to get a lawyer. You know, first thing, I've already been on the internet looking. But again, unlike at home in Minnesota, I don't have friends that I can call and say, right. hey, who's the best criminal attorney you want to call right. for this? I have to fly on the internet and find somebody. So while I'm waiting for a call back, I found a, a female attorney that I saw some reviews on that looked really good. And I'm thinking maybe having a female attorney for a case like this would be beneficial. And I start asking Louis questions about all the paperwork that was given to us. And the first thing he tells me is, mom, this isn't what you think. This is not a naive, young, inexperienced 18 year old girl. He said, mom, this is a girl that I have had sex with before. Wait, 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 wait. And so, so it was so like a one night stand. He met on Tinder. Okay. Yeah. So this is again, a world I know very little right. about, but he had gone on Tinder and the algorithm of Tinder matched him with a girl, same college, same major, same interests and hobbies and lives on the same floor in the dorm. Wow. So three weeks prior, they had met on Tinder. She had come to his room the first time at one o'clock in the morning on a weeknight and they had consensual intercourse. Okay. At this point, they know each other's first names. That's about it. Didn't even exchange phone numbers. Their only communication was through social media. Wow. Snapchat. Okay. And down the hall. I hate Snapchat, just so everyone oh, I knows. Do too. I Listen, as a school administrator, I'm telling you, as, especially middle school, do not let your kids on that thing. I more bullying, more sexing, more body parts I've seen and burned my eyes out. <laughs> it's horrible. Burn your eyes out. I am not. I can't unsee them. Oh, Snapchat I just, sucks. And as a criminal defense person, I totally agree. Snapchat sucks because it's difficult for us. Not impossible, but difficult for us to reproduce all this stuff. Oh, and in the kidding. case, in the case of like Kathleen's son Louis, that hurts us. It it doesn't oh, yeah. help us. It makes it difficult for us to reproduce this evidence. Yeah, and I would but, think it would hurt both sides. Like. It yeah, only it lasts really like can. 25 seconds or something less than that on any kind of a post or anything. Yeah, pictures and stuff. It's right. ridiculous. So I'm starting to go through his, the documents that were given to him. And there is a request for a protective order. Okay. And that outlines her story. So she applied for a protective order and in doing so told her story. And that is written down for us to read. So I have the privilege of basically reading what her side of it okay. is and asking Louis about it. And essentially, her story is that they were on Snapchat. He invited her over. She said, yes, I'll come to your room tonight, but I'm not feeling well. So I probably won't ha want to have sex tonight, but I'll come over and watch a movie. Something to that effect. Let um, me just interject here. Remember, they had sex just a few weeks before. And it was very similar circumstances. They hook up. I think it's a no, hookup. No, it is. It's, it's a hookup. It One hook in up. the morning, it's a hookup. So yeah. it's very, very similar. And I would also like to say, hey, young women out there, mothers, fathers, whoever is listening to this, I don't know how we can educate our young people, but Oh, you got to be so careful these days, men and women, about yeah. who you're yeah. hooking up with. Like, it is dangerous on both sides. I know we all know the dangers for women because it's in the news, it's everywhere. But this episode, you're going to hear the dangers for men. And it is life-changing, just like it is for a woman. So her story is that she agrees to go over to his room. Uh, she walks down the hall to his wing he is in the common area with a group of friends, mixed company, uh, boys and, and girls are there. There are people that are drinking alcohol. Louis is one of them. It was a, a weeknight, not a big party yeah. night, but yes, 
consuming some alcohol. She, according to her story, was not, but didn't believe that Louis was intoxicated or anything like that at okay. this point and chats with him and his friends for 15 minutes and then goes in Louis's room just off. I mean, his room is a single room and it is just off the common area. So the other kids are still just outside okay. of his room and they go in and begin to watch a movie. As they're watching the movie, he puts the moves on her, right? Because he's Attempts a guy. Attempts to kiss her. Because he's a guy and it's late at night. Come on. Like you hang out with a guy late at night. Come on. He's a guy. Of course, he's going to try. Like that's just what they well, do. And here's the thing, because it sounds like we're trying to excuse his behavior. This no. is, you're in a dorm. You're in the boy's room. Come yeah. On. And you're yeah. making out. Yeah. So, and I'm also saying, you know, no means I, no, I believe that sure. no means no. Yes. No yes. means yes. no. Yep. I'm firm You meet somebody that. in the eyes, right? And you say no means no. But, oh, I'm there. And saying something, I think she said, uh, she says that she was saying no. And that she was saying, we're going to miss the movie. Something like that. And Louis told me, he said, mom, the first time we were together, having consensual sex, she was saying, we're going to miss the movie. I thought it was like an inside joke. Like, hey, we're going to miss oh, the movie. because gotcha. we're Okay. Right. Anyway, according to her story, they were sitting on a futon. She is right near the door and he's on the other side. Okay. And he has sex with her on the futon. So he has to get her pants off, get her clothes off. They have sex. Then she gets dressed again and they are watching the movie again. Then he pulls her to the floor, undresses her again, places her on top of him, and she is straddling him while they have sex again, and she is on top. Her story. Is this all written down? Yes. Okay. Yes. This is all in writing from her yep, statement. This is her story. I have never had a rape case ever where the woman was on top. So my first red flag is Kathleen's telling me the story was that. I'm like, what? I've, I've never heard of that. I'm not saying it's not possible, but like that old joke, like that they say when there's a cow in the tree, you can go back to an old episode to get that joke. But if something is so abnormal, right? Something, right. it's abnormal. So, and right. to me, this was very abnormal. This so, is an ahead. outlier. This is it's like, so outlier. I'm sorry, but if I'm... First of all, I'm not 18 and I'm not 20. Obviously my hair is all great, but I don't care what age you are. If if I am not wanting to have sex and I feel like I've been being raped, I would never be on top. I mean, this is pretty graphic, but come on. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And as a mom, I'm wondering, how did your pants get off? If you're sitting down on a couch, how did those pants come off without you facilitating yeah. that? Exactly. And you can always yep. call I, I, her. I, I, There's people out there. You're in a dorm. You're not up the canyon in the back of a car where you have no control. Okay. Keep going. Well, or, or you could and, get up. Anyway, so she, her, her story continues that um, she eventually did get off of him. They sat back down. They continued to watch the movie when then they continued to have sex again while on the futon. And then she, somewhere in here, she's blurry and fuzzy on in between which one of these, she texted her roommate to tell her roommate to send her a text saying, I should come home because we have an early breakfast. Because Louie was encouraging her to sleep over because she had slept over the last time they were okay. together. So she says, you know, roommate sends her a text and the roommate does send her a text saying, hey, is everything okay? okay. And she replies back, yeah, all good. Huge. Send the huge. text. For defense, that is huge, that information. Yeah. I would think even as the police officer investigating, it would be like, wait a minute. Now, after saying that, like you you pointed out, we are in the me movement and, and yeah. there's been so many things that, that that's really helped in a lot of situations. But in this situation, when there's been sex multiple times, you could get up and walk out. You got dressed. You could walk out the door. He's not holding you right. hostage. And remember, you, you, those and, guys and, were just outside the door. All she would have right. to do is even yell inside the yeah. room. Yeah, here, help. Or just help. From the, just yeah. To get the protective order, this statement that I'm referring to, she uses the word trapped four times. Okay. 
that she was trapped or felt trapped, trapped and powerless. And I asked Louie, I said, but were you holding her in there? He said, no, mom, she was close to closer to the door. I wasn't even between her and the door. All she had to do was get up and leave. Or when she was texting her friend, hey, come yeah. and get me. Help. Or I just texted and said, I have to leave. Now I am going to leave and just exactly. walk out. There was no exactly. point where she would help. Wow, right. Interesting. Then, okay. then it's time to go to sleep. And she climbs up onto his lofted bunk for a sleepover. He didn't catapult her up there. She voluntarily climbed up onto his bunk after she was supposedly raped three times. Wow. So when I hear this, I'm like, oh, okay. This is a whole different right. story. Like now right. I'm like, mama bear is ready to fight yes. now because this is not and okay. As when Kathleen explained it to me, I'm like, okay, remember I have been sexually assaulted by a client of mine. I'm very sensitive about this stuff. But when I heard that the alleged victim climbed up the bunk bed and to sleep in the bunk, there is absolutely no no freaking way in this world that at number one that I could have slept right. Nick anywhere near that man. Right. And in her statement, she said she slept. She was able to sleep. And <laughs> number two, that I would have stayed in there. There's no way I didn't. Or I that you would have rolled over and gotten on top of a man that you just right. think raped you. That's the yes. thing that's haunting me up. And then, like you said, spent the night. There is still more. You will not. Oh, so, so yeah, so that's, that's the gist of the okay. story. So we, I'm going through the documents. I see that. So she has requested and been granted a temporary protective order. So Louis has to stay 500 feet away from her. There will be a hearing in two weeks that would turn that protective order into a, an actual protective okay. order. In addition to that document, there is something called a notice of administrative suspension from the University of Utah, saying that he is not allowed to go back on campus until the matter is resolved. Okay. And it actually says, um, and I'm reading, we believe that he poses an immediate threat to the physical health or safety of students and our campus community. Wow. Okay. Shit, damn hell. Yeah. Okay. Like, so you can't even go back Class. to your dorm. You've already been assumed guilty. Right. Did she stay there, go to class, do her normal thing, or did she go home? At this point, she is still in the dorm. So the attorney that I had left a message with calls back and is explaining to us that, yes, here's you can retain her as a criminal defense attorney. What her job is and the scope of her job is to basically get her name on record and prevent criminal charges right. from being filed. But she asks us, is this a Title IX case? I'm like, I don't even know what a Title IX case is. What do you mean? Well, is this with the university? And I said, well, yes, but I don't know if it's a Title no. IX case because it was the police that actually interrogated uh -huh. him. They read him his rights and asked him about the event. He willingly complied because he said, I have absolutely nothing to hide and will tell you about my evening with this girl and exactly what my side of the story is. And then they said, well, you know, she thinks it's rape. So he didn't even know that she thought he, that that's what it was until after he had given his side of the story. Anyway, upon further reading of the documents, I do then see, oh, the office that the administrative suspension comes from says the Office of Affirmative Action and Equal Opportunity, OEO, I will call that for the rest of this. So we learned, yes, it is a Title IX case. So our criminal attorney says, I can help you on the criminal side, but I will not touch and do not touch and have nothing to do with Title IX cases. So Title IX cases are within the university and they do not have to follow normal criminal proceedings. So it's like a kangaroo court. Like a code of conduct? Mm -hmm. yes. Yep. So the university will start an investigation okay. to see if Louie has violated any of their codes okay. of conduct. So not Title IX like athletics and Title IX, that kind of thing, where it's equal rights. We always think of Title IX as women having equal to opportunity ball. to yes. sports. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. But this is everybody should be treated as yeah. equal. Okay. Unless you are the accused, if you are the accused, you do not have to be treated as equal. You can immediately be treated as 
Yeah. And here is the other unfortunate thing because University of Utah, for those of you that maybe haven't heard of it, although it made national news, we have had two female students that have been murdered by men yes. that they were yes. dating. In one particular case, oh my gosh, it was horrible. I mean, this one made national news all over the place. It did. That was Lauren, was Lauren McCluskey. Yes, Lauren yes. McCluskey. She was begging for help from the university police. Uh -huh. They dropped the ball so bad, not protecting this girl. The guy was stalking her. He was very dangerous. He was an ex-con. Right. And then she ends up getting shot and killed by that man. Right, right. And on campus, campus. And the parents sued the University of Utah, which I think they should have. There was a $10 million yes, settlement. Yes. Emily used the settlement funds and basically donated it back to the university so that they would put policies and procedures in right, place to make sure this right. didn't happen. So, and, and that needed to happen. That needed yeah. to happen. Yeah. That, that, needed to happen. Girls, that yeah. was, and you know what? We that was to... the school year before okay. this. So that was very so fresh. That had just like, okay. So settlement of that happened one year. So they were just getting the funds and using the funds to set this up on okay. campus when this happened with. Okay, Google. so. So there's a big, I'm sure on every campus, there's a magnifying glass on these. Everybody's trying to get the young ladies to speak up yes. and advocate for yourselves, say what's happening because rape on campus is it a is. big deal. It is. Although most often it's when the girl has been also using alcohol and somebody's using really bad judgment at a party yeah, or, right. or something. When you said he could, he had to stay at the hotel and he could not go back on campus to classes but we are all now ahead of the COVID. And so couldn't he zoom in on the classes and participate that way? Yes, we, we were just coming out of COVID a right. little bit. I mean, still mask right. mandates going on. But because of equal opportunity, the university was required to provide him equal access to his classes, even though he was not on okay. campus. The incident between the two of them happened on the 21st. On the 29th is when Louis was questioned. Okay. And going into that week, we actually find out that uh, the we get explained to us what the process is for a Title IX case okay. and how it's going right. to work. So this representative gives us a flyer with a little diagram in it. And the diagram is going to explain to us, this is what is going to happen and how long this investigation is going to take. Okay. The first thing that's going to happen is you're going to receive a... Uh, a complaint. The a complaint will be filed. After that, you're going to get a notice of the investigation, and that notice is going to give you what the charges are. Okay. That starts the investigation, and then the university has 60 days to do their investigation, during which time they will interview people, do whatever they have to do to investigate, okay. come up with a draft report okay. of their findings to find out if you're guilty of violating any of their um, codes of conduct. Then there will be uh, a chance to review that for both sides, see if it's right or wrong, accurate. Then there will be a hearing, and the all sexual assault cases go to a hearing phase. There'll be a hearing where you can cross-examine sure. each okay. other, not have to have an attorney, but you do have to have a representative doing the cross-examination, okay. but it doesn't an attorney. You don't have to have passed the bar in the state of Utah to participate in this because it's basically like kangaroo okay. court. It's the university. They write their policy and as long as they follow their policy, they're compliant. Okay. So okay. their standard is not beyond a reasonable doubt. It's the preponderance of evidence standard, which is 50-50 and a feather determines guilt or innocence. It does not have to be beyond a reasonable wow. doubt. And you have a he said, yeah. he said, there were only two people right. in the room. Right. I don't know how you could ever really prove one versus the other. Right. Especially when she chose to spend the night. Spent the night. Then there was a whole nother day. Then the follow so it was a Wednesday night. On Friday morning, she spoke to a friend of hers, told the friend about her night with Louie, that, hey, you know what? I didn't want to have sex when I went over there, but then when I went over there, we had sex and here's what happened. And the friend said that, um, and well, this is actually, I'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit in things, but the friend, and I quote, 
helped her understand. Oh no. This is assault and that you need to go to the hospital and get a rape kit. Okay, now there's been three all, couple days. Pam, how does a yep, rape kit affect all, a couple days later? Yeah, so you have 72 hours to do a rape kit after an alleged rape. Ideally, you want to get the test done immediately after, but you can still get accurate results for 72 hours. You will be shocked by what we learned in this DNA test, what the results showed. I was totally shocked. I mean, that's not part of the evidence at this point. All I have at this point in the story is her story and this notice that Louie cannot be on okay. campus. And then we're basically notified that it's going to take a long time. 60 days. Yeah. You know, they give me a, a deadline. Louie needs to find a place to live. Is he going to go home to Minnesota? I'm like, wait a minute. We haven't even been heard yeah. here by the university. Yeah. And they want him. If you if he gives up his dorm now, we'll give his money back. Oh, wow. Louis says, I'm not giving up my dorm, Mom. I want to be able to defend right, myself. Right. I want to tell my story. And I want to be able to go back to my friends yeah. and and finish where, where okay. I left off. So we decline all of that. We have very short amount of time, and I have to find an apartment for him in Utah. He wants to stay yeah. there. So he has access to his friends and school. And, you know, my husband says level heads will prevail, right? I mean, you have a, he said, oh, she said, level. Yeah. So we find a fully furnished apartment that we can get month to month. Okay. Three weeks go by. We still don't have this complaint. We don't have a notice of allegations. Uh, what did happen during the month of November is that word got out in the dorm. Oh no why he isn't in oh his room. Gosh, of course. Word yeah. Gets out. yeah. I'm back in Minnesota at that time and I get the phone, the nighttime phone call from the kid who is completely upset. Devastated. Yeah. He's devastated because the group chat of all of the boys and girls in his cluster, the group chat is on fire with people screaming, yelling and saying horrible things to him that he's not welcome there anymore. And it's absolutely awful. And he wow. is alone in an apartment, in a city, he doesn't know anyone. And I'm in another state and I can't take yeah. it. Obviously I get on an airplane again the next day and go to be with him. Yeah, We're just about at the time for the, the protective order hearing is supposed to happen. Trying to get a, oh, we learned that we have to get a different lawyer for that okay. too. So we had to get a criminal lawyer. Then we had to retain a Title IX lawyer if anybody needs a lawyer for a Title IX case at the University of Utah, call Pam to get my contact information so you don't make the mistakes. <laughs> exactly. Okay. This is and, horrifying. And what I'll just I saw happening. Like, here's what's even more horrifying to me is not everyone has parents that are as supportive as Louie. <laughs> and number one, not only supportive, but number two, have the financial resources to be able to fly in, to be here. Right. To be able to hire a student to be here. Mm -hmm. Not everyone has that ability. That's when I'm like, you know what? This isn't right. Because yeah. that's not fair. We really need to have women come forward and tell the truth. But I personally believe right now, we the pendulum has swung too far to so that far. side. Right. And here's how I put it in my head. After I was assaulted, I remember rollerblading down the boardwalk in California. And a guy whistled at me. And I was like, I'm scared. I got to get out of here. In the past, mm -hmm. I'd be like, ah, whatever. I don't care. Yeah. It's in my episode about my assault. I was horrified. Right. I remember going to my counselor and I said, oh my gosh, like I can't function. Everything scares me. Everything. And to say how, and she said, right now you're hypersensitive. Before this, you were not careful enough, which is absolutely true. And then now I was being like hypersensitive about so everything. So he said, yeah. just be patient, get through the process. I will never be as careless as I was before. And I will right. also hopefully never be as hypersensitive and scared yeah. as I was afterwards. And I kind right. of think as a society right now, because we were careless before about mm -hmm. protecting women. And now I think the pendulum swung too far the other side. A woman just has to cry rape, cry something. And we're like, oh, this must be true. All bets are off. We're yeah. going to change this kid's life. But it isn't always true. That isn't always rape. There are women out there 
that are troubled, just like there are men that are troubled. Well, so after, you know, I spent 30 years in the middle school and as across the United States, uh, most schools have a police officer in your school for a lot of different reasons, you know. But I remember um, my first, there was an incident where a young, this is middle school, ninth graders had sex. And the next day when she, when her mom found out, she told her that she'd been raped, hadn't been, was consensual. But so then they called in the police. But by the time they got the boy and the girl and the story, it ended up that it was consensual, but she just got scared because then her mom found out because she was young. So right. sometimes we cry. It's like crying wolf, you know. It's it's such a slippery slope, just like you were saying. You want to protect the girls and the boys because you don't want this happening in the world. But we've got to find a balance. Okay, so we got our Title IX attorney, and then he got the text from the group of friends that was very sad. Surprisingly, then, we get a call. We hired a Title IX attorney, and then we needed another attorney to handle the protective order because these are all separate people. And you don't know this and learn this until you have to learn this. Okay. Apologies for the dogs barking. Our lawyer gets a call. This is in early November. Which, which lawyer? So she calls me. The criminal lawyer. And says, you're not going to believe this. I just got a call from a friend of mine who's also an attorney who got a call from a friend of hers, who is also an attorney, the girl's mom. Wait, the girl's mom's an attorney? Yeah. Yes. Oh, shit, damn hell. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So is this now a reverse of a good old boy's system? Okay, keep going. So our attorney says the girl's mom had found out that our attorney's name was now attached to it didn't recognize the name. The girl's mom practices family law, but in her past had done criminal law. And so she called her friend who was a criminal attorney to say, hey, do you know this person? And, and what do you think? And the friend said, yes, I know her very well. You know, we're good friends. She's a great attorney. The mom then says, you know, my daughter doesn't want to press criminal charges. She really just wants a protective order to make sure that this boy stays away from her and thinks he should probably get some counseling. Okay. So when, when our lawyer tells us this, I'm like, well, we're going to need counseling after this anyway. <laughs> because and the girl needs counseling really also. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, we are yes. all, we're all the therapy and counseling to get through this awful yes. thing. That's, that's all fine. So we thought that was okay. sort of a, a bright yeah. note right in this whole thing like okay let's just let's just fight our way through this title nine thing and see what happens and get you back in that dorm you know finals are in a few weeks the, my son is just keeping his nose to the grindstone and doing his work and participating online as best he can and keeping his grades up and i'm really proud of him you know for the fact that he's able to do that with all of this going on. Was there anyone in the group of friends that defended him? Thank you. Yes. When I flew in the next day, I said, how, how are things now? And he said, a, a couple guys have come forward. Good. And they they kind of left the group chat and then just reached out to him individually, Sad. lending their Good. Support. Okay. I'm glad to hear that. Again, you know, these relationships, unlike his relationships back in Minnesota, where he has known some of these kids for 10, sure. 15 years. Right. These are relationships of six to eight right. weeks. Right. So he doesn't know people all and that well. And who's stable and who's not. And who is your friend and who's not. So we finally get notice of allegations. I remember it was during Which finals week. Which is in week December because I had in to Utah. Ask. Okay. Yeah, Mid-December. So another six weeks had gone by where we're just waiting for the university. Nothing is happening. Yeah. And wondering what's going on. And we finally get the notice of allegations that would start the 60 day clock. And we learned that actually, no, the complaint was filed back in November, but you just didn't get the notice. So the clock, the 60 day clock started on November 2nd and you're just getting the notice now, but here's what the allegations are against okay. Louie. And you heard her side of the story. Right, okay. she wrote it. So okay. Okay. non-consensual penetration. Okay, we expected that. Non-consensual fondling because yes he did touch a breast or a buttock and when you have a and b you automatically in title nine have c which is 
harassment. So he has non-consensual penetration, he has non-consensual fondling, and he has harassment, but wait for it, Shelley, times four. Wait, I thought- Times four, 12 allegations. Because you were on the futon, then you were on the floor, then you were on the futon, and then you were on the bunk. So we are times four. Holy shit. Okay, sorry. 12, yes, 12 violations. I think it is 48 hours to respond to that. After we waited six weeks to get that, yeah, yeah, he is supposed yeah. to give his response in 48 hours. In 48 hours. My question is, does Title IX, the, that committee mm -hmm. from the U, do they know that she is not going to press criminal charges? She just wants him to leave her alone? Don't, do they have any of that information? We don't know anything at this point. So uh, we didn't know what was taking so long. Right? Why is okay. it this moving forward? And, yeah, our yeah. and why did it happen November 2nd? Um, is it December? And I'm just hearing. The, the yeah. representative said, you know, there's talk that the girl isn't even participating with the U. Wait, then no one has a case. And then they said, even if she doesn't want to participate with the U, she's already given a statement and they can proceed with or without her. I'm like, what? Seriously? Yes, they can. Meanwhile, this kid can't even get back in his dorm. He can't go to school with his friends. Is she even at the U still? Like, was she still participating in classes and at, carrying on her day-to-day? -day? Or does point, anybody even point, know? We assume that she is still living in the dorm and carrying about. Okay. So over Christmas break, then they're trying to move forward with the investigation. Louis needs to be interviewed. A lot of this is just this really ugly stuff with the Title IX group we were working with because did a really poor job on replying. We yeah. knew that they wanted a reply to each allegation. They wanted Louis' side of the story. And we sent okay. them back two or three paragraphs saying, we didn't have the same experience. We're sorry she had that experience. I mean, nicely articulated, right? Right, sure. Deny and not our experience. And I said, I don't think that answers their allegations. Then they wanted to do an in-person interview with Louie. And we waited because Louie was supposed to get prepped for the interview by the attorney. When we got on the phone to get prepped, the attorney didn't even know why we were on the phone and just said, just give one word answers. I'm like, that's not. Oh, you got, I'm paying you a lot of money, dumbass. They want to know Louie's side of it. And they told us that he could submit his side of it all in writing and have it approved right. by a lawyer ahead of time. Yeah. And now, so Louis did his side of the interview, which I got to sit in on and listen to, but I could not speak. Of course, they wanted his side of the story. So we just ended up submitting the day in the hotel room when we read her side, I had Louis actually sit down while it's fresh in your mind and write down and your write side. write it out. Right now. Good. Sentence by sentence, as it compares to what she is saying, what you remember in every possible detail. Brilliant. Including okay. the part where he said, I know I asked her, is this okay? Is what I'm doing okay right now? Because he was, you know, sensing that she was backing off. And she said, yeah, yeah. fine. And then she was still backing off. And I asked again, are you sure it's okay? And she said, oh, no, maybe not tonight. And so I stopped doing that particular act that we were doing. Okay. Yeah. So he had very, very descriptive details that he provided. And so we submitted all of that. And at this point, we're just waiting, waiting, waiting for the draft, finally thinking, okay, they're at least going to have our side of the story, mm -hmm. which is just Louis' paragraph. No lawyer added anything to his side of it. The hearing that was supposed to be in November, that one got continued for the protective order to January. Now, is he still enrolled at the U in January now, the new semester? Yes, still okay. paying for the dorm because he's going to move back into it and wants his spot back. And he wants to regain his name and his reputation Yeah, and is willing okay. to. Of course. Uh, yeah. Of course he wants yeah. to. Okay. So, so, yeah, we go to the, the hearing for the protective order and the lawyer says, don't worry about a protective order. Don't even fight it. We know that that's what she wants. And maybe, you know. She won't do the criminal charges. I'm like, well, can we get that writing in order to do the protective order? Right. Can we do that? Because negotiate this guilt? thing? Yeah. Well, no, you can't really do that. The lawyer says, I'm not the lawyer for that other thing. So I'm not going to represent the Title IX stuff while we're at this hearing. These are different cases. It's three different cases because the protective order is a civil case. Oh my gosh. The Title IX case okay. is a university Title IX case. 
and the criminal case would be the criminal court. I'm telling you, even though you can have great attorneys doing their job in all three, none of them has a vested interest in what's going on in the other case and how their actions affect the other case. Only a mom cares about that. So at the protective, protective order hearing, they actually agree to some concessions. And at the end of it, the result of that day is we don't fight the, the protective order. It's considered uncontested, but we're not admitting anything. Yeah. And, yeah. but they agree that 300 feet distance is fine. So they can still have classes in the same building because all the business classes take place in one building, right? And that prior to the start of every semester, they'll submit their schedules to a lawyer just to make sure that they're not in the same class for anything. Like they both agree to that. Oh, okay. Neither of them okay. wants to be around each other again. No. Right? No. At this point, it's yeah. already been months. He has never tried to reach out to her or to communicate with her. He doesn't have her number, isn't looking for his number, and wouldn't dream of it. Yeah. Right? So, and she doesn't want anything to do with him. No. Okay. No. Okay. Uh, the following week, we so this is the end of January, the draft report from the university finally comes out. A six-page draft, 61 pages of evidence submitted with it. Things like her rape kit that was done, the interview with Louis, the interview with her. There was an interview with her friend, her best friend, I'll say, from childhood, yeah. the one who helped her understand, um, which is where we actually got that information, and an interview with the roommate who she had texted and said everything was all good too. All of that is in there. So we get a chance to read through that. And the university's findings are, they find cause for all 12 charges. Basically they find him guilty. And in their summary, they state that basically they both gave the same story. I mean, they're really, really both telling the same story. And in the places that their story differs, we, the university, choose to take her side for two reasons. One, she told more people her story. Wait, he had strict yeah. instructions from the police not to tell anybody. Yeah. Exactly. She told more people her story, including a, a rape nurse. Therefore, she's more believable. And the okay. second reason, the second reason, you're gonna love this one. He has more motive to be untruthful. Why? Because he's a guy? Yeah, because you've been accused. Well, because you've been accused, so. That's interesting. That's all we wow. up with. Okay, we've, now we've waited three months. He's been off campus and out of school for three months while they do this investigation. Talk to everybody and the best they can come up with is, yeah, it is a he said, she said. And they're the only two that were in the room. And we only have to go by the preponderance of evidence and we choose to believe her because he's more likely to lie than she is. That's what we think. Because he's been, because accused. He's been accused. So just the fact that he's been accused makes him more likely to lie. So it sets it up so, like literally, like we're not gonna look at what they say, at the, what the facts are, uh, just the fact that, that you've been accused makes him more likely to lie. I think that's absolute bull crap. Oh yeah. That's not fair. No. That finding, then what happens to him? Is he still enrolled in school? What? So at this point, he's still enrolled in school because they have to go to the hearing phase. So the next oh, phase okay. will be an actual hearing Again, this will all happen on Zoom, but we will be able to have our lawyers cross-examine her and they'll be able to have their lawyers cross-examine Louie. Get this, this is how Title IX works. The hearing panel will be a moderator from the U and there'll be two okay. panelists. One is a student from the U and one is a faculty member from the U. They will be given the draft report and asked to find in favor of the university unless they hear reason not to. Wait, wait, because- Yeah, you heard that right. <laughs> it, it defies logic this to is me. The jury because works. It, then why are we even having a court? Like yeah, why are we even having a panel if they're saying, listen, you're just gonna side with the you unless by chance something comes up. That doesn't- Right. Wow. Oh, wait, okay. wait there's more. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Now we're at like early February, right? And at the process of uh, having to schedule that and they have to have two weeks and then you get start running into spring break kind of stuff and scheduling conflicts. Sure. So they're in the process of trying to get that scheduled. Our older son is out visiting Louis with a buddy for a ski weekend. And Friday morning of that holiday weekend comes along 
8 a.m. bang at the apartment door. They open the door. Five police officers are there and arrest Louis, take him from the apartment, and book him in jail. He's being charged with rape. Wait, I thought the mom said she didn't want to do criminal. Well, I guess somebody changed their mind. So now he's arrested and he's in jail. Yeah. We're trying to figure out, okay, um, how does this part of all this work? Why now? Why, what yeah. happened? The, it, my best speculation, and again, I will admit this is just my speculation, is that she had everybody believing her side of the story. It was all her side, her side, her side. And after the draft report came out, we hired new lawyers for Title IX to reply okay. to draft. The draft report was six pages. Our response to the draft was seven pages of detailed Louis' um, side of the story. That was the good. first time that this girl got to hear Louis' side of it was three months later. And I think that's a problem. I think had they been it's able to communicate, there's a time to keep them separated. And every case is different. It, they're not all the same. Had the defense been able to... and Louis and his family been able to communicate with her and her mother and from the start. Yes. Maybe this thing could have been nipped in the bud. They were like, 18 and a half and years old, you know? I mean, the thing that's shocking to me is the right hand never knew what the left hand was doing. Like you had yeah. a criminal case and then you had the Title IX and then you had the protective order. The other the protective order. Over parties. and over again. Come on. We've said, if we. Yeah. Can we write a letter to the parents? Can we talk to the parents? Can we have any direct right. communication and just try to figure this out and, and discuss it? It's not how it works. But even if they said no, like, we do not want him talking to her. We don't want you talking to the mediator. Her, but that's why we have attorneys. Yes, you have a mediator. That's why you yes. pay them a lot of money. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, at this point, we're just like, now what do we do? And we have the, the Title IX hearing is going to be coming up and he's in jail. How do we get him out on bail? So we're working on bail and then find out there will be no bail. Because this is a sex crime in the state of Utah and there is no bail. He is from Minnesota. He's a flight risk. And remember, he's a danger to the community. Now, here's what actually happened. The criminal detective did not do any investigative work. Don't get me started on this guy. I don't have very nice things. <laughs> they got a warrant for the university's Title IX case, which was all based on this preponderance of evidence, which was all based on whatever they did for six weeks to convince this girl to participate. Because when I read her interview with the investigator, there were zero follow-up questions. Nobody dug into her story for a second. Just anything to get her to participate because we want to take this guy down, right? And they took that case and just handed it to the DA. And the DA says, well, if the university found cause, then we'll take the case. We will. So they take it and now turn it into a criminal case, which will have to be a reasonable doubt, but that doesn't happen until a trial phase. So the DA's office says, yes, we will absolutely take this case. The detective is so proud of himself because he got somebody to come forward. And if I tell you what he did to this girl to convince her to participate in the criminal stuff, I heard audio tapes. He called her. He lied to her. He told her that the university was investigating Louis for other cases. Oh. And they needed her to come forward. He's in jail. Our lawyer calls the DA. Hey, what can we do to get this guy out on bail? I mean, there's no history of any trouble with him. You got an 18 year old kid from a Catholic school in Minnesota. Good grades, family support. What do you need? And the DA says, I will not stipulate bail. So okay. I have to go to the jail and tell Louie that they say there's no bail. We can have a hearing, but the hearing won't happen for another week. So we'll get in front of a judge in a week and plead our case. And then how is he mentally and emotionally? A like, is he hysterical? Is he like, I can't, I, I don't even know what's going on with my life. He's like, how is he? Jelly, he's one, he's diabetic. And when you go into jail, they take your pump away because it could be used for somebody to kill themselves. 
you could overdose on insulin. So they take his pump away. He's treated by a jail nurse. So that somebody comes around and checks his blood sugar three times a day. And it was continually high, I mean, way high, way high. So he's feeling like crap. And he says, I need more insulin. I need more insulin. I'm insulin resistant. And the nurse says, if you're insulin resistant, why are we giving you any at all? It's like, oh my God, I need to see the doctor. Well, you're not going to see the doctor because you have a hearing on Friday and that's not going to happen. So physically he's feeling like crap. Emotionally, he has no idea how all of this got so out of control so fast. And he's sobbing. He's alone in a jail cell and it's COVID and it's everything about it is beyond anything he could ever comprehend in his life. And it's all one big unknown. We can't tell him when you're getting out or why or what, because we don't have any answers ourselves. Oh my gosh. Okay. The hearing is supposed to happen on Friday. Of course, guess what? It gets continued because our lawyer said, you know what? I talked to the prosecutor. They are not, not going to be supportive of this. And I need a little more time. I know Louie doesn't want to stay in, but let's just buy another week or two and see if we can't get some more information or whatever. The diabetes continues to get worse. There's no care being given. We have to get his pediatric endocrinologist from Minnesota involved, sending care plans and it's still not getting followed by the jail. Still can't see a doctor. His blood sugars have been over 400 now at this point for over two weeks, solid. This is crazy. This is crazy. The day of the hearing happens. And now, you know, we've prepared with the lawyer to say, look, I mean, the family will do what they have to, you know, I can come out and stay with him and live there with him while he's, you know, if they let him out on bail, ankle monitor would be fine. There's no history of any of this. He's already been on his own for the last four months. He's never reached out to the girl in that amount of time. He also has this hearing at the university that it would be great if he had the opportunity to defend himself at that. Right. We already decided he may or may not because anything that is said at that could be used in a criminal case. And now there's criminal charges and you got to be careful there. Right. But the worst part of this hearing, Shelly, is that it was COVID times. So the hearing was all happening on Zoom. Mm -hmm. You know what happened? Somebody Mm -hmm. in Minnesota They found the charges and a link to the Zoom hearing and passed it around. Dozens of kids showed up. That is devastating. To watch and see Louie in jail and to see him at his bail hearing. I had no idea when all these names are popping up. I didn't even know it was open to the public. You know, we don't know anything about this going through it. No. uh -uh. Yeah. I had no clue. I'm like, why, why are these names? These are names I know. These are all the kids on the ski team. These are the kids from his high school. Like, right. I know these are familiar people. So that was absolutely devastating. I was happy that Louis was not able to see that from his side of it. Yes. Chose not to tell him. But the judge heard both sides. We asked the prosecutor to talk to the girl and find out if she would support him being out on bail. And he said to our lawyer, she does not want him out on bail. So the prosecutor then told the judge, absolutely no bail. These are very, very serious criminal charges. The judge agreed and said, I don't care how good this kid has been in the past. He's never been in this kind of trouble. He's a flight risk. We don't know what he's going to do. And he needs to stay in jail. And so bail is denied. And at that point, now he can't participate in school and he can't participate in his Title IX hearing. Wow. So the following week, the Title IX hearing is happening. And at this point, we need to use the Title IX hearing to try to get information from the other side. Right. So I pay the criminal attorney to actually read through the entire case. Okay. Because they don't, at at this point, she hasn't had a reason to dig into anything deeply yet, right? Okay. I have to pay her by the hour to go through all of the Title IX stuff and everything we have about the case so far and come up with questions to give to the Title IX. So when the information comes over and it crosses that bridge, it'll be documented. This is what we would want to know if we had a chance to interview the girl. And if you get this chance in the hearing, here's what you need to ask her. Then I get to sit in on that hearing as a bystander. Okay. You have a facilitator from the U is there. There is a panelist that's an, uh, an employee. There's a panelist that's a student. They have their head attorney also there. Our attorney is there. 
I'm there and the girl is there with her attorney. And then I think her mom was sitting in, in, the, in the sidelines. So the way this works, the first thing they say is because Louis not here, we don't think we should have to be cross-examined. The lawyer steps in and says, well, wait a minute, it's not Louis' choice to not attend this. So we're actually going right. to allow it because they Good. have a reason for an appeal. So we're thinking, okay, there's a win. So our lawyer gets to ask questions. When it comes time for her to ask her questions, she does not get to directly ask them to the girl. Who do they ask? Is to ask the question to the facilitator. Then the facilitator turns and re-asks the question to the girl. Then, oh my gosh. wait for it, Shelly. Then the girl hears the question, presses mute on her computer, discusses what her answer should be with her attorney, then unmutes and answers the question. It is a nightmare. Wow. So it takes a long time to even get through like three questions. Wow. And our lawyer is befuddled by this in a, you know, after three or four questions says, wait, what is going on here? Their lawyer says, this is how we do it at the U. Wow. He says, well, I've never seen this in all the other cases at all the other campuses we've done. So some of the things we wanted answered, I wanted to know how did he get her undressed four times, get her pants off, particularly four times while she's sitting next to him, if she didn't want her pants to come off and she wasn't participating. Mm -hmm. She answered that question by saying, he pulled the sweatshirt over my head. Okay. What? No, no, that does not explain no. at all yep, how that, pants yeah, that's, come off. Anyway, uh -uh. That's, that's uh -uh. we got to that one. Then there was a line of questioning about uh, what did you do in between each of these incidents? Because there were four of them. And she's right. Well, we were looking at like Instagram and TikTok and laughing at videos and stuff that we were looking at. We were joking around together in between right. these incidents. Right. Yeah. Like having fun. Uh -huh. And then what was he doing when you were texting your roommate saying that you needed to come home? And she's like, oh, you know what? I think he left at that point to go to the bathroom. Oh my it's gosh. Why didn't you go? Why didn't you leave? Why didn't you? And then she says, yeah. I did leave the room. I left and went to the bathroom too. I went to a different bathroom than him because they're all individuals in this dorm. Right. So he was in one bathroom and I was in a different bathroom. Oh, and I'm and I'm like floored. Like I, my explanation right. on this Zoom right. was, right. are you kidding me? Yeah, there's, how is this going anywhere? There's, yeah. there's no reaction from anybody on the panel. Everybody is just staring into blank space here, right? And- uh -huh. So our lawyer says, well, wait, did you think about leaving? Like just walking back to your dorm after you got out of the bathroom? You're in the yeah. bathroom after you're texting your friend that you need help, but you're not in any danger. Like what is going on here? Right. Why'd you come back? Why did you? Yeah. What'd she say? Why'd you go back to the room? Then she puts it on pause again, discusses with her lawyer and comes back and says, I came back to the room to get my diabetes supplies that I left in there. But then... While she was there, she happened to climb up on the bed for a sleepover. Wow. So the whole hearing ends. There was not a single follow-up question from any panelist at the end. Does anybody have any follow-up questions? Both panelists shake their head. No, no follow-up questions. I'm not allowed to ask all my follow-up questions because I would have had a list of 50 of them, right? Yeah, I'm yeah. not allowed. And so the hearing ends and we know darn well what's going to happen. And sure enough, we get a report that they have found cause and he has been found guilty on all of these things and uh, is expelled from the University of Utah. And here's the thing that I didn't know, that if you get expelled like this through a Title IX action, that you can't attend another university. Oh, I wondered about that. Yeah, it's on your record. You're, you're shit. Yep. So this is now just a CYA move on the U to cover their ass on the situation, which was terribly tragic the year before. Of course. Right. And here's yeah. my point is, if it was my daughter, I would believe my daughter too. Okay? Yeah. It's my son. I believe my son. I've read and heard sure. both sides of their story. I believe that they both believe their own stories. And I believe they both believe that they are being completely truthful with their stories. Yeah. Right? And the truth... Yeah probably lies somewhere in the middle. What I really have a hard yeah. time with is, yeah, my son is absolutely guilty of making a bad decision 
of going on Tinder and engaging in a sexual relationship with somebody he did not know or trust that left the door open for something like this to happen. But so did she. Right, right. She also is guilty of that. And she does not have to have any consequences. No, no. Not even 1% of the consequences. He has to bear 100%. She has zero because she named him. Wow. And that's what I have issue with. Yeah. We're both stupid. And they're 18 and they're, yeah. Mm -hmm. First time out on their own and yeah. When I was in college, you know what happened when something like this happened? The boy got a really bad reputation and none of the girls would date him anymore. Yeah, right. And what happens next? It could be a year or two until trial because everything is backed up because of COVID and he's sitting yeah. in jail. And it's backed up. That's one bad thing about our system. Pam and I have talked about this not a speedy trial. So the next thing yeah. that happens is he's scheduled for a preliminary hearing. And it had been like six months since the incident. Yeah. And I was under the impression at first that it was going to be like a mini trial. And we would get a chance okay. for our lawyer to cross-examine her. And our lawyer informed us that's not really how that works anymore. That the, the Utah Supreme Court has basically told the state that all they have to do is find the lowest level of evidence to move forward. I totally, completely disagree with the lawyer. I considered that lawyer a friend. I like her as a person, but I completely disagree. I don't care how low they set the bar. This is your chance to take the gloves off. Cause here, like, if you go back to my assault case, I knew prelim was gonna be brutal because this was their chance for the defense to come at me uh -huh. without a jury to hear them uh -huh. because if they come at me if they attack the victim if you attack the alleged victim in front of a jury then you're a jerk yeah because you're just gonna look like a total ass like right. hey this woman has been hurt but you do this at prelim with so you're not in the presence of a jury you can start hitting hard everywhere from every possible angle which is what happened in my case uh -huh so that they can see where where is she weak where is she strong where, where are the like, holes that uh -huh. is your that is your time to find out where there's a weakness or not okay. and i think personally my opinion and i know kathleen's very respectful of everyone and professional i am not that's why i have the podcast <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so i'm just gonna say flat out i believe that the defense lawyer made a huge mistake okay by not taking that opportunity that's my opinion okay. i will not change that that's my story and i'm sticking to it i'm gonna cut this right here there is so much more to come we are just now getting into the criminal charges oh my gosh this case is frustrating you won't believe what happens how this all comes down you've got to listen to the next episode thank you for listening to pamela